Hello, and welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and in this podcast, we take a look at players and coaches that we believe have very bright futures in the game. In the last edition of this series, we looked at one of the most exciting young talents from Scandinavia that you may not have heard of in Heronveen's tricky playmaker, Osam Sharawi, who has been coming into his own in the Eredivisie since moving from Velerenga in Norway just this January. This week, however, we're moving on to a striker. The first time we've looked at a centre, a proper centre forward since Yorio Yakimaki, I believe a few weeks ago now, although we did look at Ilman and Joy as well from Sheffield United, which also counts technically as a second striker, but it still counts. And it's not just any striker, though. It's a number nine who has been tearing it up in one of Europe's finest leagues, a Nigerian centre forward who has a wonderful goal-scoring record this season and who was already being linked to some bigger clubs. And no. It's not the Napoli talisman that you think it is. Today, we will be dissecting the strengths and weaknesses of Union saint Gilois centre-forward Victor Boniface, who has been banging in the goals in Belgium. To do so, I will be joined by my co-host and TFA recruitment analyst Brian Marquez, who has been watching Boniface extremely closely in recent weeks as his market value skyrockets. Before we begin, though, please make sure to rate the podcast five stars, hopefully. It's genuinely appreciated so, so much. We've been growing exponentially at the moment, and we're incredibly grateful for your continued support. So let's try and keep that going as we try and bring you our very best audio content. As always, do make sure to check out the TFA website as well for all your analytical needs. We publish daily pieces, except Sundays, and there's bound to be a piece that catches your eye. Anyway, I'll stop waffling and go speak to my partner in crime, Bryant. Brian, welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. How have you been since we last spoke? Hello, Adam. I have been really well and really well right now. Been busy, obviously, with the consultancy work and all that. And as I said to you in the last podcast, I was looking forward to make a new piece and I made one for the magazine, which I really like. So again, I'm going to spam my <laughs> it's a Rafa Benitez piece and if the listeners want to go to that that's okay myself and Brian actually just had this conversation before the podcast started I looked through the magazine in full this morning it will be out on the 1st of March or 2nd of March I think it's the 1st of March it's a it's an amazing magazine and I'm not uh, and I'm genuinely not just saying that I I was so impressed by the quality of work Brian wrote the piece looking for Rafael Benitez next club using data to find out clubs that he can potentially go to in Europe especially and in England as well because Rafa in the past has mentioned that he wants to stay in England I think he only mentioned it two weeks ago on the Liverpool FC podcast um, so yeah it's a really good piece and check it out a lot of work went into it a lot of work went into the pieces in general but when this podcast is out the magazine won't be released yet it will be released a few days later so just make sure to keep keep an eye out for that because there's some brilliant brilliant work in it one player that's in the magazine is uh, Gift Orban, who hopefully we'll record a podcast on in the future. We're going to talk about his compatriot today, Victor Boniface, who is killing it with USG in Belgium at the minute. He's such an impressive player. Brian, what were your first impressions from watching uh, Victor Boniface in Belgium? Yeah, my first impression on, on Boniface was a surprise package because, first of all, he's physically a beast. Like this kind of yeah. center forward, so big, so imposing in his um, with his aerial presence and in like physical duels, he's just so superior to 
players that want to move him to win possession back. And not only that, because when you see this kind of big striker, you are all, are obviously going to think like, okay, he's a traditional center forward, target man. I don't know, he plays with his back. But he's a really good and technical player with the ball. And I really like that about him, how he was this kind of threatening player of USG to move the ball forward with a really good dribbling, escaping small spaces and all that. Yeah, I agree. He surprised me a lot. I have to admit, I I may have had certain... What's the word I'm trying to think of? I mean, I, I mean, I may have had certain ideas of his style of play, having watched him in the past at Bodo Glimt. He has improved actually a lot since then, to be fair. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's not in Belgium that long, either with USG, but since when I watched him in Norway, he has improved a lot. You can see in his all-round game has massively improved. He's so impressive. And this season as well, I'm actually just looking at his goal-scoring statistics. He scored 20 goals in all competitions for Belgium. Not Belgium, USG, apologies. 70 and non-penalty goals. His XG at the moment is about 16.05. So he's overperforming his XG just slightly. but Not by much, but still slightly. Showing that he's a quite a decent finisher. His XG per shot is 0.15. So he's getting into decent positions for centre-forward. Usually the yeah. a- average of an XG per shot is about 0.1. So 0.15 per shot is shows that he's getting into decent positions. One thing I was impressed about the most when I watched him, as you kind of said, he's extremely physical. He's he's massive, by the way. Like He's really big, <laughs> yeah. and his, yeah. his physical build is crazy. He's such a strong player. His, his hold-up play, it's not just his hold-up play that's good, though. It's his ability to hold the ball up and roll yeah. the defender, and there's a difference in those things. He's usually centre-forwards are... Like, for instance, Vute Veghorst at Manchester United can hold the ball up really well and lay it off to players who are kind of coming towards him so he can link up the play, as the cliche term is. Victor Boniface holds the ball up well, and while he can link up play, of course, like hold it up, lay it off, whatever, he actually does something that Romelu Lukaku does incredibly well. And if I remember correctly, there's a video from a good while ago. I think he's, I think he was with Everton at the time. Lukaku did kind of like a video with Sky Sports and Jamie Carragher where Jamie Carragher was yeah. the defender and he was showing him how to roll defense. We'd use his 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 right arm, I believe, because he's left footed, and then hold you off, roll you with his strength, and then shoot. And Victor Boniface does that so, so well. His ability to hold that ball up, wait for the pressure, hold them off, and then roll you. Because he has such, again, he has such a massive body and his hips are so strong, and he's able to do that. And that's a really good tool for a centre forward because it doesn't just mean that when he holds the ball up you know as a defender that you're technically safe because he's not going to try and go in behind but he will he'll wait for you to come on to him he'll hold you off and then go in behind you by turning you like quickly and it's so so impressive and moving on from that his all round link up play is really good he drops deep so so much yeah. which again I was surprised about at Butter Glimt he dropped deep as well a bit but like at USG, especially uh, the game I watched was I watched a couple of games mainly in Europe and I think one in the, the the Belgian Pro League. He in Europe especially he was dropping so so deep. I mean he was coming, you know, into little pockets of space behind the force line of pressure at times, which is crazy. You know where yeah. the, the 
the pivot would be or just behind, between the lines to receive the ball, link up play, create those overloads out wide. A really intelligent player and in his, his, his link up play is so, so impressive. And as I said, his ability to, to create angles between the lines, receive the ball, hold up the defender, either roll him or lay it off, create overloads. So, so good. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think, um, well, USG really use this kind of double strike here. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have strikes. actually said that. Sorry. So it's it, it, they've used a three-five-two predominantly this season. Yeah. And he usually plays on the left, but he's played on the right as well. But he's only really played as a centre forward. So it's in a, in a two-man striker system. Yeah, the thing is, in this two uh, striker system last season and in this season as well, even with the change of, of coach in the team, yeah. um, they really have this focus on strikers creating space for their teammates. Mm-hmm. And it's really good to see a system that not depends, obviously, 100% on that, but really depends on what the strikers are doing and those kind of movements have to be done with really um, a good idea of what you're doing. You have to be intelligent to where to move, when to move and all that. So I really like about Boniface, it's not this kind of big striker that only holds up the ball and then attacks the space, which as well, he does really well, in, in, in especially close to the box. Like he yeah. receives the ball, then uh, opens up the wing with his wing back, which is a really good winger. Wing back as well is um, Simon Adingra, which is signed by Brighton. Brighton, I was going to say, so and obviously has. they've done that yeah. in the past, obviously with uh, Dennis Undav. Was that last season? Yeah, last season. It seems like a long time ago. Yeah, last season with Dennis Undav, who now is with Brighton. But yeah, Simon Adingra as well, he plays with usually on, on for USG at the moment, yeah. Yeah, so he's he has a really good uh, link-up play to hold the ball, then open up to the wing, and then attack the box, which I really want to talk about that, but let's talk about Fierce. But his skills out of the striker zone. I, I was really surprised because when you see strikers dropping deep, um, you're normally going to see players playing with his back, receiving and within his first touch, they're again returning the ball to to a teammate so it's a progressive way to link up with players that are so high on the pitch and then they create spaces at their back but boniface touches the ball can return it quickly but as well can retain the ball with his physical bill which is absolutely massive and then the technique like it's not only he holds the ball with his lower body and all that. It's the way he hides the ball with his technique because he's so um, creative in small spaces. He can go off two players and then his ball carrying is so powerful. He's fast. He's obviously strong. And when he's running, it's so difficult to win the ball back from him because he's going to like body you to the side. And yeah. It's really good what he do- what he does after those kind of uh, ball carrying moments. He picks the ball up, he dribbles, and then he carries, and then his product, like his end product, too. It, it cannot be like just making a through pass, but mm-hmm. open up the wing and then go into the box is a really good decision, and he has a really good uh, decision making in those kind of situations, which I really really like about him. 
this kind this kind of uh, self sufficient um, ability to take the ball and create chances for his team, not by making killer passes or all that, but to make the team progress in a more efficient and intelligent way. You know, he, he's a, a very calm with his decisions when when he's dropping. When he's dropping deep, he's very calm and composed. He doesn't want to progress every time. So I really like about that. It's also worth noting that when you look at his heat map, it's quite noticeable when you watch him play as well, but the data backs it up. He lingers so much in that left half space, so he doesn't stay really, especially when they're in possession, looking to break down the opposition in a certain block, in a, whether it be a mid or a low block. He doesn't just kind of sit between the two central defenders and wait for crosses or stretch the, the back line that runs him behind. He usually yeah. drops deep in the left half space and he links up so well with, uh, if it's on the left, usually Loic Lapusa. Uh, I hope I've said that right. He was, yeah, again, he's Loic a really Lapusa, good player. Yeah. yeah, He's a really, really good player, but he links up really well. He drops deep into that half space. As I said, creates those overloads, link up play so, so good. And he doesn't just stretch the back line. He, you know, dominates in that space. And especially when you play yeah. 3-5-2, you, I suppose because you don't have a winger inverted there, your centre-forward usually would be in that position, and he does that so, so well. And as well, just touching on the point you made about his ability to take the ball under pressure and then spread it out wide, he has a a knack of, because he's right-footed, he has this really amazing touch where when the ball comes into him, he forced time, kind of bounces it to the left and then plays it out wide. But it's it's a heavy touch, but it's intentional. Haaland does it quite well. He does it really well. Um, and it's it's a bit dangerous because, of course, if you miss time, that you've just given away possession for no reason. But the logic behind it is that when the ball comes, he bounces it to his left really quickly to create that space because he knows he's holding off the defender. He won't get near it. And then he's able to spread it out wide, make that run into the box and hope the cross comes in. Just before we move on to talking about his goals and his play inside the box to centre forward, which is obviously still really, well, it is the most important, arguably. I want to talk about his assists for a minute. He has nine assists this season in all competitions for USG, which is crazy. So he has yeah. 20 goals and nine assists. So he's nearly 30 goal contributions. One thing I will say, though, is, and it's important to note, it's like the Illaman and Joy effect. His, ex- his expected assists are only 3.21. So it shows that they're actually really clinical, USG especially when he creates chances, they, they're being finished. It's not really that the quality of the chances he's creating are that great, if that makes sense. It's not an it's not a a dig at him, but there's such... I mean, his, his actual assists are three times greater than the expected assists, which shows that USG are actually really clinical at finishing off the chances he creates, as opposed to him being like this incredibly creative forward. I don't think I wouldn't classify him as an incredibly incredibly creative player, but he does have nine assists and credit to him. Yeah. Again, as I said, it's important to note the underlying stats behind that, though. It's not just that he's a, a wonderful creator. I think it's actually more so to do with the fact that they're finishing the chances. Let's move on, though, to his play inside the box. He has a tendency to linger at the back post. Is that a fair assessment? Did you get that assessment or have you... Yeah, that's a fair else? assessment. A really fair assessment. He has this tendency to unmark to the far post. Mm-hmm. And which I really like about because uh, normally you see strikers doing the movements to the near post. Mm-hmm. 
when when you find these kind of players that are uh, combining movements and going to i don't know they're quite they're moving every time and they're so dynamic inside the box they go to the near or go to the back post but when you see a player so so threatening to the back post especially with crosses he is so good in his with with his heading technique he's so dangerous inside the box yeah and he scores or he takes very few shots from outside the area which is always a, a positive most of his shots are around the penalty spot and there's surprisingly quite a lot i'm looking at his xg map right now that we i put i i'm pretty sure i tweeted a few days ago on the tfa account although when this is published that might be about two weeks ago so you I, I might republish it and, and to, to show people alongside the podcast. He takes quite a lot of shots around the six-yard area, which is the... I don't want to call it the golden zone because there is a golden zone already, but it's probably the ideal place for centre-forward to get a shot away, do you think? Yeah, yeah, obviously. And when you have players in that zone, it, you have... It, it's a very high... Pro- probability of scoring obviously because in that zone if the players have a good body posture and calm when the ball is coming to him mm-hmm. it, it's the zone you have to to look if you are sending crosses or if you are making through passes through the middle or you want to create cutback it, it, that kind of zone you have to attack it not only with a striker even a midfielder who's arriving that's the kind of zone they have to be Mm-hmm. let's discuss weaknesses then and I want to keep on the point of him being inside the box we touched on that he lingers a lot at the back post and he does score a few headers in the back post as well I want to play devil's advocate for a minute though in terms of his weaknesses I watched a couple of games last night I was up really late um, so I just decided to watch a couple of USG games to see Bonifacio ahead of the podcast he frustrated me a little bit because so many times his movement was always to the back post. I yeah. like I like to see a blend. So I'm going to try and explain this as well as I, I can. I read a research study from the 2017 and 18 Premier League season that took into account all every single goal that was scored. I think it was about 940 or something like that goal scored in the season. He, or sorry, did, I actually can't remember the number of goals. It doesn't matter. Anyway. It was a lot of goals. Um, in the study, it showed all the stats, the the type of goals, the way they were scored. And sorry, this was only headers. So many headed goals, and the vast majority were scored from forward movements with three steps. So one, two, three at the near post, header in. Because and, and very few were scored at the back post because you're I suppose it you you can still make a forward movement at the back post, but the problem is you're backtracking a little bit sometimes, especially if the ball, say the ball, you're at the, the far right post, the ball's coming from the left, your starting position is in the middle, you're backtracking to get to that back post, so you're backpedaling, you're not really in an ideal optimal stance to head that ball, because you need to jump high while kind of backpedaling backwards, and it's much more difficult than when you're running forward, if that makes sense. So, tying that into Boniface, it was a little frustrating seeing how much he does linger at the back post. Sometimes I kept thinking to myself, make that run to the near post. And then I thought, if the ball was on the left with Lapusan, he'd go to the far right post. And then I thought, okay, well, maybe if it goes out to the right, he'll go to the, he'll stay at that post. No, he went to the back left post. And I think you can make that run to the near post. It's okay. 
to switch it up a little. Do you think, obviously, yeah. does it, it's subjective and there's a difference of opinions and, you know, he's a really good goal scoring record, so who am I to judge? But do you think that's a strength or do you think it's it's okay that he lingers at the back post and that it's, some, some centre-forwards have preferences, really? Because he's a big guy yeah. and, like, he yeah. can dominate that back post, especially if it's a fullback he's on. If you're up against a fullback yeah, with him, he's winning. So, I, I think um, he's obviously capable with his power and his uh, detection of when the ball is coming to attack the near post. I don't know about you, but I, I see him very capable of of those kind of movements. Mm-hmm. And um, I really think strikers have to get this kind of variety inside the box, especially yeah. when heading, because you have to surprise the defender. And, and if you are, a, I don't know, a football maniac and you're a centre-back and you have wise scouts, some players have, you could study those kind of movements and mm-hmm. you you could say like, okay, we, we, we're going to defend this player only going to the back post because that's the movement you have. I really love players that varies those kind of things and inside that same league is Mario Gonzalez at the Oluven, which I really think he's a mm-hmm. really good striker and he is so uh, uh, varied on on his movements inside the box, he goes to the near. He attacks the space uh, to the far post as well, and he moves so often inside the box. So I really like that. I, I think I really think frustrate me about Boniface. It's um, he's a, such a good header, uh, but when he's going to shoot, like when he's going to shoot, he wants to add power every time and such a powerful shot though to be fair yeah yeah it's a really powerful shot but sometimes you have to place the ball and just pick the right technique because if you go with power sometimes you can go to the chest of the goalkeeper and he's going to save it obviously and he has been evolving on his finishing with his uh, right foot or left foot since he's been at uh, Norway Right now, he's not that finisher he was in Norway. He has been evolving really good. But mm. I really think he has to be a bit more calm when he's going to take the shot and try to have a mix of uh, techniques when you have to shoot and not only pick up the power, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. By the way, I've had to keep muting myself on this call because, and just for the listeners, if you can hear background noise on my end, I'm so sorry. I live in a very busy place and there are obnoxious neighbours blaring music on Friday at 3pm, which is really frustrating. I'm trying to record. Anyway, I'm I'm done giving out. (laughs) Getting back to the weakness. Another weakness I noticed, and and do you know what? I don't want to label it a weakness as such. It's more so something that may may be conducive to the system he's playing in because the 3-5-2 I suppose you can't really stretch the back line as much because you don't really have a number 10 to receive between the lines one thing I noticed that when a team are playing a mid block he doesn't really make runs in behind that much he drops deep a lot which is good like drop deep link up play that's fine and it may be a preference. Sometimes I like my centre-forward to run in behind as well because what you can do then is 
you make the running behind, the back line will drop a couple of yards in, you create that space between their back line and their midfield, and then someone else can receive between the lines. They don't really play with a number 10. Sometimes the players, sometimes the central midfielders push into those positions, but usually Boniface is there. Um, but it's just something I would like to see more of. And again, it may be conducive to the system. So if he plays in a different system, he might make more vertical runs in behind because that's what the manager wants him to do. He's not, I don't think he's lightning quick. He's not slow. Uh, I, I see a lot of people saying he's lightning quick. I didn't really get that impression and maybe I could be wrong and you may have a differing opinion. I think he's fast. He's not rapid, but don't forget he's carrying a lot of body mass. He's a big guy. Yeah. I know we've said that a few times. He's a big guy. I think he's powerful. Yeah. You know, he, his drivings are so powerful. So people may think, okay, he's really fast. But the thing is, he may seem so fast because he carries so much power in his runs. And obviously, players can contain him uh, when he's running. Mm-hmm. So the good thing is, he is not giving heavy touches to the ball. So yeah. he doesn't have like a close control, I don't know, by Messi or something like that. Yeah. He, ha- he has this sensitivity of uh, touching the ball and, and not creating turnovers. But I mm-hmm. really agree with the the kind of... Uh, and that's why especially I touch about the point of him playing with his back to the goal and opening the ball to the wings close to the box because mm-hmm. I don't see him making those long runs, yeah. you know, to space. It's more like, give me the ball close to the box and then I'm going to unmark. Mm-hmm. But really... It, at the edge of the box, and then I'm going to run to the to the inside. So it's this mini runs that he likes the most to get into the into the penalty area. And from watching him, I couldn't help but feel that he suits a team that want the ball a lot more so than a team that play in transition. And that's why at Bodo Glimt he was so good because Bodo Glimt. Yeah, I, I wrote a piece on Bodo Glimt about a year ago. I labeled them something as the Scandinavian sweetheart or something like that because. They were such an amazing team to watch. People were calling them like the Norwegian Man City. They were like 43, extreme, like just extremely pretty to watch if you like that style of football. And he suits that in that centre-forward role where he's able to drop deep link-up play, be involved with the team and kind of help them with the possession as opposed to a team that play in transition and want to run in behind constantly. I don't think he yeah. suits that very well. But that's okay because a lot of, I mean, like there's a, a million teams that want to play possession-based football. As I said, like Butter Glimt did, like USG tried to do as well. They want to play through the towards, play quote-unquote nice football and, and try and build their attacks as opposed to just going long and behind, which is not really tailored to his game. I think he's struggling that kind of a system. With that in mind, Brian, let's discuss clubs he could end up in. What do you think? Yeah, He's been linked in the, in the news with... In the summer, I believe he was linked with Rangers. Uh, he went to USG, of course. I don't know how concrete those those rumors are, because you know what papers are like with, with, with the rumor mail and paper talk isn't very reliable. Uh, Fabrizio Romano, highly controversial, maybe if you want to call him that, but sometimes reliable, quite reliable, maybe. He tweeted when it, it was it wasn't that long ago, but he said USG have set a price tag of about ten to fifteen million euro which is 10 million euro will be under. So I'm not good with a currency exchange, maybe eight, nine million, eight, eight, eight and a half million pound. With that in mind though, what clubs do you think could suit his style of play and that may be looking for a centre forward of his ilk? Yeah, if you think of 
leagues like I don't know or France, those kind of uh, are kind of leagues that play so much in behind the defenders, you know. So I really think Italy could be a really good fit for him, and I was thinking even they actually have a really good striker right now, but you have to think of a club like that when this player was playing. I was, I'm talking about um, Atalanta, mm-hmm. who right now have Rasmus Hoyland, which yeah, is amazing. They Zapata, who I think you're going to say now. But they yeah. had Zapata, mm-hmm. which I think is very similar to, very similar, to Boniface. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's very similar to Boniface. So teams like that, even at that time, uh, Zapata was playing in a very similar system where he was generating spaces and then dropping deep and all mm-hmm. that and picking powerful shots. So Italy, I think, is a very good league to to fit as his next step because if you think about it, Italy is becoming a really positional or a, a, a league where teams are playing with possession and yeah. trying to not run that much into space. So I really am in love with the, with the Italian Serie yeah. right now. Well, I, I know <laughs> a team that, that needs a centre-forward really are AC Milan, but as we said a few minutes ago, the problem with that is they are very transitional and they're rapid. I mean, you, yeah. even though they play usually Olivier Giroud up front, but they do have like Raphael Leao on the wings, who's just incredible in on the break and on in transitions. And yeah. I just don't think that suits... His Boniface's style, whereas you said Atalanta is a really, really perfect club for him to go to. I think that suits his his game, and he is very similar to Duvin Zapata and or Duvin Zapata, sorry, and you know the way Zapata would drop deep, link up play, but he was extremely powerful, good at getting into the box and scoring. 20, yeah, 15, 20 at goals this moment, at this moment, I don't see him ready to the Premier League. Yeah, I don't know Championship, maybe. If Brighton again attacks USD <laughs> and send him out on loan or something like that, it, it could be a, a really a tough step for him to go from Belgium to England right now. I don't see him quite ready, but I think uh, Italy is a really could be a really good fit. And I'm thinking about he's not that similar, but you know, it's to find these kind of players that Italy right now are, are loving, and it's Mbalansola. At special, so he's playing really, really good, and those are the kind of strikers for me. The Serie A is looking for right now. I agree. I think my takeaway is probably I actually didn't think of Atalanta, which is my bad. But when you said Atalanta, I thought, of course, it's a really good uh, club for him to end up in if they want to send a forward. And yeah, I agree. Even I don't at- think he's quite ready for the Premier League yet, but a move to a league. Like I mean, you see where Victor Osherman went from France and then Italy, and it was Germany, France, yeah. Italy, and now the likelihood is that he'll end up in the Premier League, whether it be with Manchester United or whoever, and he's ready. You can see he's ready now. Yeah, yeah, totally. And even if you want me to, to say another club at, at Serie A, maybe Fiorentino or Roma, which play yeah. with a, a similar type of strikers, you know, and it's not like a... a it's a big jump, obviously, but I don't think Boniface is a player of a thousand of weakness. I think he's mm-hmm. really, really good and co- coached by these managers, obviously Mourinho or um, 
Italiano, it could be a really good thing for him. And he has shown he's ready for a next good step because in the Europa League, he's playing so good. I think he has scored six goals there. Five or six Yeah, goals. I think it's five from open play, six from, and one from the yeah. spot. So I think about six, he's the second or third, second highest goal scorer. So he's showing he, he's capable of doing things, not only in the Belgian Pro League. So I think he's ready to, to, to the next step. I always like as well when we discuss these things to say, we usually say whether a player is ready to make the step up to a top five league or what kind of leagues. And I think in this case, we usually say something like, okay, maybe in three years, four years, he'll be ready for a really good top five league. But in Boniface's case, I think you'll likely see him move this summer. And as Fabrizio Romano said, and I just go off the report, he said 10 to 15 million euros. There are going to be a lot of clubs in the, within the top five leagues keeping an eye on him. And for a fact, in fact, sorry, we know that there are already. Um, so I'm looking forward to see how he, he fares in the summer. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today again to discuss Victor Boniface. To all the listeners at home, I hope you enjoyed as well. Make sure to tune in on Friday for another regular episode of the TFA podcast for you all to enjoy. Also, make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends and family as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening and goodbye for now.